Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Let's uh, open up our Bibles as you're standing to the book of Genesis uh, chapter 44. I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ who saved me, who delivered me, and he's the reason why I'm here today. And um, I also thank the pastor for allowing me this opportunity to come before you and share what God has placed in my heart. Genesis chapter 44 and verse 12. If you have it, say amen. Amen. It simply says, Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And let's say a a word of prayer and let's see what the Lord has for us today. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We pray that you would allow us today, Jesus, to open up our hearts to your word and receive it. And that your word do what it always does and change our hearts and shape us. And that we would not leave this place in the same way that we came in, Lord. All honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So today I would like to talk a little bit about the subject of that's not fair. Uh, well, actually, that kind of sounds like the high school. I'm sorry. Let me, uh, let me switch this uh, addition here. But I want to talk to you a little bit about when life seems unfair. It seems that uh, some of the brothers here took some of my notes because they've been talking about it all day. So really, there's not much left for me to talk about. But what I wanted to talk to you about, I wanted you to put your thinking caps on and remember that glorious, beautiful, wonderful day in history that transformed life that never, that the world is never, ever going to be the same again, that day that you were born. Can you remember your first day seeing the light of day? I can't remember that. Amen. But we were born at different times. The first few years of life were awesome. What we got to do was eat and sleep. Man, if we could go back to that, that would be so awesome to go back to that. So the first few years, we're eating and sleeping. Life is good. Five years, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. You don't have to worry about anything. I'm sure when I moved... I don't know if you guys feel the same, but when I, I've moved when I was younger, and it was so awesome back then. Now that we're adults, it doesn't feel so good because we got to put in the work. So, <laughs> but ten years, you know, everything's still okay. You don't have to worry about that much. Eleven-year-old, twelve-year-olds, then you start getting into some stuff. You know, life starts changing. You start changing. Your voice starts changing. Um, 
your body starts changing. You know, there's all these things that go on. Uh, you go through high school, junior high and high school, and there's all these awkward moments and highs and lows. And man, the most devastating part in your life when you get heartbroken in high school, that just kills you. You're never, ever, ever going to get past that. But here you are, 18, 19, 20-year-old. Some people, you know, maybe you go to college um, or you're still, you know, you're, you're working. You're doing something. Uh, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, wherever you're at. Um, but throughout life, as you're hopefully thinking about your own personal life, as you've grown, as you've gone through the years, have you ever thought, you know what, man, it's just... There's been some times in my life that life just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. It's unfair. It, I, I shouldn't have gone through that. I, I shouldn't have felt like that. You know, and there may be people here today that, um, you know, felt really bad. And even, even the, the felt um, different things of even, of even possibly even suicide. You know, we go through so many different things. We've been brought up in different ways, in, in, in uh, uh, different cultures, and different surroundings. Um, but thank God that he sustained us. None of us, none of us. And as you think back, um, there's been some times, too, that you kind of just wish that you didn't go through that. Sometimes... You wish that you were immune from life. You, you wish that you didn't feel certain things. You didn't, man, if, I wish I didn't have to go through that. I wish I didn't have to feel that or experience that. And you know what? Unfortunately, there's, there's no antidote that exists. There's no elixir. There's no vaccination that we could take or shoot or um, ingest that immunes us from life. We have to go through life day in, day out, every single day. What do you do every day? How does your day look? You get up in the morning. You go through different things to get ready. Uh, some people it takes a little bit longer than others, you know, but you, you got to get ready. And, you know, there's sometimes there's, speaking from my life, there was times in my life that I try to escape reality and use drugs, whatever it is, you know, certain things to try to immune us. Again, we're, we don't want to be in reality sometimes because the pain is too much for us. It's too hard to bear sometimes. But today in our text, we're talking about a man by the name of Benjamin. And you may be able to relate to him. A lot of the stuff that he went through. Benjamin was the youngest son of Jacob. He was blessed. He had a God-fearing heritage. Uh, his great-grandfather Abraham. But see, unfortunately, that heritage doesn't guarantee him that he's going to have a smooth life. You know, there's, fortunately, there's people here that, uh, and people that you may know that, you know, their, their grandparents, their parents, um, now parents, um, grew up in the church. But that doesn't mean that you're going to have an awesome life. It means that you know where you came from or you know what God did to them and that those blessings can also come to you because the Bible says that salvation is individual. We have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It's up to us. Unfortunately, his godly heritage, godly heritage was no guarantee of a trouble-free life. 
Benjamin's life was not perfect. Um, it may even be titled as uh, dysfunctional. Now, his father Jacob, first of all, he married two sisters, okay, uh, Leah and Rachel. He had children with both of them. But the thing is, is that his favored was Rachel. I don't know if Leah and Rachel's dad was like, man, I got to get rid of this girl somehow. So let me just pawn her off to somebody else. So he got a two for one special, you know. But, you know, I, I don't know how she looked. But the Bible does talk about, he talks about Rachel and that she was pleasing to the eyes. And Leah was, I mean, she was, you know, she was having kids left and right. But not Rachel. Leah was, but not Rachel. Rachel remained barren. And in those times, it was frowned upon. It was something that was underscored, that was highlighted, that was probably even put on Instagram and Facebook. Hey, this person, you know, doesn't have babies. You know, it was just some big old thing. It's like, that's how they used to do it back then. They used to make a big old huge deal about it. But later, thank God, is she had a baby. And then a little bit after that, she had another one. The problem was, is when she had that second baby, she died. And during her childbirth, she named that boy Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. That's an awful name to have. Way back then, and I think now, nowadays, but back then names meant something. There was a purpose. There was a reason why you were given a name. And as you can see here, that was an awful name. That, I mean, he was labeled that. But right away, you know, dad steps in and says, hey, you know, let's just change that. Um, Let's call him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. And thank God that, that, that he changed that, his name because, again, that's a label. That's more than just a name. It, it, it's, it's something that, that um, explains their character. But as a newborn infant, Benjamin was deprived of pretty much of the one person who would have cherished him the most, which is mom. I don't know about you, but... I find myself calling my mom a lot more than my dad. You know, it's something that we had to kind of regulate. But Benjamin didn't have his mom. She wasn't there. If, if Leah took care of him, you know, it was just going to be like, oh, you know, poor baby, poor baby, and kick him to the side. It was a little bit different. There's something different there. His mom wasn't there. There wasn't that connection. She wasn't there when he started to go through things, when he was, especially when he was an infant. But every child needs their mother, especially when elements in their life are unstable and they're unsettling. Although she was gone, the resentment that had been ingrained into the family remained. Again, there was two moms, now there's one. The one that was favored, unfortunately, she passed away. She died. So there was something there that was going on in their family already. The fact that Joseph... That he and Joseph were sons of the father, their father's favorite wife, didn't help. Although most of the hatred was focused mainly on Joseph by his half-brothers, Benjamin most likely received some of their cruel punishment. Now, um, I'm pretty sure his siblings were there or around there when he was born. And I'm pretty sure they didn't let him forget what his mom called him. The first name, the name. His dad tried to get rid of it, tried to take care of it, but 
I'm sure that there was, there's always somebody there, you know, that they hear the things that they don't need to hear and they say it to people that don't need to hear it because those people say things that they shouldn't be saying. So I'm pretty sure that's what happened to him and he was reminded of it. Benjamin possibly questioned the peculiarities of his family situation. But those crucial years of life, Benjamin's mom was not there to comfort him. Instead, his father, unwisely, he widened the gap by displaying favoritism. He displayed favoritism on his sons because they were the sons of his beloved wife, the one that he wanted more, that he loved more than the other. So you saw that favoritism. And after that, a second blow came to Benjamin while he was still a kid. The older brothers sought, they, made, they, they, they sought and they took advantage of an opportunity to get rid of Joseph. I don't know if you know the story. They got rid of him. They left him for dead and they conspired and made up a story saying, oh, uh, yeah, um, Joseph got um, eaten by a wild beast. And so they proceeded to tell him the story of what had happened, but they wanted to get rid of him. Now, you have to be careful because when you see favor in somebody else's life, you got to keep your heart in check because look at what happened. These people saw favor on their brother, their own half-brother. They saw favor on him, and what did they do? They wanted to get rid of him. So you got to be careful. When you see other people getting blessed and you see favor on other people, you better keep your heart in check because look at what our hearts are capable of doing, of conspiring and making up things and making up lies just to get rid of these people. Instead, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? It says rejoice with others when they're rejoicing. And then when they're in sorrow, be sorrowful with them. Amen. Like his father Jacob... Benjamin was undoubtedly taken by the conspiracy of the other brothers. Their lies and their evidence of this bloody coat led them to believe that his brother Joseph died a horrible death with an encounter with a wild beast. Joseph's disappearance added to Benjamin's turmoil in his life. He not only lost his, his mother, the blood relative, he lost his brother now. At an early age, he not only suffered the great loss of his mother but now also his true brother. And children are, off, are traumatized by abrupt changes in their immediate structure. We may not see it now, but you'll see it later on in their lives. It drastically affects kids. No doubt that it affected his life as he continued. Fears and misgivings may have been inflicted at such a time that did not come to the surface until years later. This is likely one of the reasons why God's word it opposes the breakup of family units by divorce. He tries to, you try to avoid it as much as possible because there's something that happens in kids' lives. But someone has once said, life is not fair, but God is just. Amen? Times have changed since the days of Benjamin, but appearances can still be deceptive. Jesus himself states in Matthew 5, 45, he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So what am I trying to say? That according to the Bible, 
There's going to be times in your life when you think or you say that life is not fair. Life is unfair. And what you do in these times are crucial. I know that some of you here have thought or said that life is unfair. You're saying that, oh, man, you know, I lost somebody. Life is unfair. I lost my wife. Life is unfair. Something else, somebody else is saying that I'm about to lose somebody. Somebody is sick. My husband, my wife, life is unfair. Somebody else is saying that my daughter, my son, they're strung out on drugs. Life is unfair. It's not fair what I'm going through today. Someone else is saying that my parents don't like me because I go to church. Life is not fair. Someone else is saying my siblings don't like me because I'm Christian. Life is unfair. Someone else is saying that I cannot find a job or I lost my job and life isn't fair. Somebody else is saying that the devil is hitting me left and right and won't let up. Life is unfair. Somebody else is saying I'm not married. Life is unfair. But the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and that are called according to his purpose. There is purpose and perplexity. There's not always, you're not always going to understand what God's doing in your life. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. But if you continue through life, even when it's unfair to you at the time, you will see the purpose and the blessing of God later on down the road. You may not understand what's going on in your life, but stay focused on God. Keep God as your number one priority. Continue to seek him. Draw closer to him not away from him. I think the pastor said, mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, that when we're going through stuff, our natural tendency is to back away from God. And that's not what we're supposed to, to do. We're supposed to draw closer to him. But what's interesting, too, is that when we're going through stuff, all of a sudden, everybody remembers God. But, you know, when God's blessing us, we're, oh, man, we're partying, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're having an awesome time. Uh, we, don't, we don't remember God, but when something bad happens, oh, there, is a, there must be a God now because all this bad stuff's happening, right? What do we say? God, why am I going through this? Why are you putting me through this? But it, continue to seek him. Draw closer to God, not away from him, but closer to him, especially right now because God is doing something powerful in your life. Like Joseph, the devil meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Let God be your guide in these trying times. Keep the faith. Don't give up because like Benjamin, you are part of God's master plan, a bigger picture that we can't see right now. This is all we see right here. But God sees right here, right now. God transcends. He, time does not affect God. He doesn't worry about that. And the Bible says that he is the potter and we're the clay. Do you know what happens? That's no easy task to do. You put the clay on a potter's wheel. I don't know if you guys have tried to do this before or seen a YouTube or anything. But it's difficult to do. It is very difficult to do. Now, what happens in our natural tendency, as you see, you barely barely touch that clay as it starts to spin around you barely touch it and you start to see something but if you go off a little bit it starts going all wobbly and this and that <laughs> sometimes that that's how our lives look you know we're, we're like going through something 
where God brings us in through a trial or a situation and we're like, oh, no, this can't be from God. You know, this don't feel right. This is not God. So let me take a little step over here. Let me get out of it. And what ends up happening in our lives is we start getting all wobbly in our faith. Amen. We start getting all wobbly. But God, what he's trying to do is he's trying to make something beautiful out of us. He's trying to make an awesome, perfect vessel. Why? Because he wants to pour out his oil, his spirit in you. What am I going to do with that? What the purpose of that is, is that so that way you can pour yourself out into others' lives. Whatever you're going through, whatever pains you feel, whatever struggles that you feel, things that you're going through, we can't be selfish. A lot of the times it's not for us. It's not for us. But it's for something great or something for, that we can't see right now. The story goes on about Joseph and he was a slave. But thank God that he moved in the hearts of other people. And what Joseph did is he moved up in ranks. And he ended up being placed on, uh, he was taking care of, of a lot of things. They put him in a high position where he was, um, he was overseeing a lot of things. But one of them mainly, which is very important, is food. Amen. No, no amens, a few amens. That's very important, the grain. He was dealing with the grain. He was overseeing that. And he was taking care of a time of famine. He was overseeing all that. And that famine hit the land, and it affected his half-brothers. It affected his family that was over here. And so eventually they needed help too. So what they did is they went and they sought after food they needed grain they needed sustenance and guess who was there good old joseph he was left for dead you know let me let me uh, let me tell you something there's going to be things that happen in your life there's going to things that you go through and you know what there's going to be people that are going to leave you for dead they're going to say you ain't going to amount to anything you want to do what that's not going to happen. They're going to leave you for dead. But you know what happened to Joseph? He immediately saw, he recognized his brothers. They didn't recognize him. So whatever you're going through, whatever God's taking you through, all these other people are saying, yeah, you're not going to get through it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make those dreams come true. But when God takes you through something, it's with a purpose. And when you get there, when you go through that, people aren't going to recognize you. They're not going to know. You know why? Because you didn't do it. God brought you through it. God changed you through that situation. So don't leave. Don't get off the potter's wheel. Stand firm in where God has you today. Amen. All that pain... All that suffering and prayers are about to yield their fruit. The devil is a liar. God has heard your prayers. He's felt your pain since day one. He knows what you're going through today. The things that you think are going to destroy you, they're really there. They were meant to bless you. As for Benjamin, 
the ache of loneliness at a tender age, the turmoil of his troubled family, even the terror of false accusations were all part of a God-ordained role in this drama, this riveting drama of God's deliverance of God's people. Because what did Joseph do? One of the first things that Joseph did is he asked for Benjamin. He asked for him. Now, what do you think would have happened if Benjamin wasn't there? If Benjamin said, look, man, my mom's gone. I never seen her. They label me as somebody that caused sorrow in somebody's life. And my brother's dead. And I'm living with my half-brothers and my half-mom. And more than likely, they're not being nice to me. I'm, I'm out. I'm leaving. I'm heading out. I'm going west. I'm getting out of this place fast. Or he could have also said, too, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done with this pain. I'm done with this sorrow. I'm done with these people continually mocking my, my siblings, always talking stuff and saying this and saying that and making fun of me. I'm done. I'm ending my life. I'm done with this. What do you think what would have happened in this situation if Joseph would have said, hey, where's Benjamin? He's dead, man. I'm sorry. I don't know who you are, but he's gone. He killed himself. He took off. He's gone. He's out of the picture. One of the reasons I believe why Joseph um, God moved his heart when he saw his brothers was because of that. He asked, where's Benjamin at? But if he would have had left, I think the story would have been a little bit different. What first appeared as adversity became the avenue by which God performed the miraculous preservation of his chosen people. If Benjamin, Joseph's true brother, had not been alive, he would have not given up. If he would have given up and committed suicide, Jesus, Joseph would not have shown mercy upon his half-brothers and sold them food. Joseph could have ignored or even killed them. He was a man of great power. I mean, his brothers left him for dead. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some anger and some feelings there against them, right? Joseph could have ignored them and, or even killed them because of all that they did. Because, but he was not like his brothers. Don't be like everybody else. You be who God made you. Amen. He was different. God is about to do something in your family, and your friends, through you. So don't give up now. Trust in the Lord. And the Bible says, again, it says in, in, in Romans 8.28, as I finish up, it says, it proclaims the providence of God. Not only is our future secure, but our present also. God knows how to work out our present circumstances, which includes suffering for ultimate good. It's not that God wants us to feel pain. It's not that God wants us to, he wants us um, to always be sad and, and, and feeling all kinds of things. But again, he's the potter. We're the clay. We're all messed up. All of us, we're all messed up without God. 
And if we don't include God in our lives, in, in this equation of life, it's going to be a pretty much meaningless life. Why? Because God created us. He wants to make something beautiful out of us. Not for everybody, not for pride's sake, but because of God, because of who he is, because of his nature. We are created in the image of God. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make nothing ugly. Amen? God is in control of our lives, and he will not let external circumstances thwart his ultimate will for our lives. He will not permit something so terrible that he cannot correct. He will not allow the trials too big for us or a trial with no escape. Even when Satan comes, causes evil to befall us, God will bring good despite it. God can even use that evil to make good things happen. What was meant to be a stumbling block, in Jesus' name, you flip it around and make it a stepping stone to get closer to God. He can use that evil to make good things happen. The scripture doesn't mean that, there, that we're going to always identify positive results from every tragedy or trial. It says all things work together to bring ultimate good. Now think of water, eggs, uh, flour, some oil. If you consume that by itself, it doesn't really sound, uh, maybe eggs, you know, eggs sounds good by themselves, but no, um, or oil or water. If you consume it by yourself, it, by itself, it's eh, whatever, it doesn't sound all that great. But if you get all those different things and put them together, put them in a pan, put it in the oven, 350 degrees, I think, you know what's going to happen? Oh, man, you're going to have a delicious... Oh, delicious cake. Amen. That's what you're going to have. But individually, it doesn't sound all that great. But that's what the Bible says. It's saying that all these things, what you go through here, what you feel here, where you experienced there, what you went through over here, what happened over here, all these things work together for good. But to those that are the called, you got to make sure that you're called. Sometimes trials motivate us to serve God. They develop our character. They keep us in a state of dependence with God. Sometimes there's some people that if, we don't, if we're not going through stuff, once God blesses us, again, where do you, what? what happened to brother so-and-so? Oh, the Lord blessed him with this and that. He's gone. Amen? And, but the trials are there sometimes for us to... We got to stay in check. We got to remember that we are dependent on God. It's not because of me. It's not because of us. It's because of him. He's the reason why we're here. I could tell you all kinds of stories, like the pastor said, why I shouldn't be here. But thanks be to God that we are here. It's because of him. And sometimes the things that we go through are subtle reminders. Uh, let me tell you something real quick. Uh, how should I say this? If the Lord didn't send reminders throughout my life, my personal life, I'm talking about me, uh, basically I'd be a jerk. I'm just saying. I'd be a jerk. And I know some people have complimented me and, you know, and, and told my wife and said, you know, he's, he's um, a patient person, really mellow and stuff like that. But, man, 
some of the stuff I've had to go through, you know, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. But it is there for God to say, hey, mijo, he knocks me upside the head a few times. Hey, you need to calm down. You need to calm down with that attitude. Amen. <laughs> but it, all these things work together for good. Amen. We don't like it some of those coscorones sometimes, but hey, we need them. With, without them, God only knows where we would be or what we would be like. When we reach heaven and we look back on life, we'll be able to truly say that all things work together for good. You may not see it now. You may not see it later. But all these things work together for good. The promise is only to those who love God and are totally committed to him and who are called according to his plan, to his purpose, the Bible says. What purpose? Um, Jesus came to shed his blood on Calvary so that we might ha have life and life more abundantly according to his purpose. His purpose was to seek and to save that which was lost. If we don't love God totally and are not, loving, not living according to his plan, we must repent and confess and claim the promise of God today. As you go through those trials, through those different things that are going on in, in your life, Sometimes you'll be able to see why. Sometimes you'll be able to see why later on. A lot of the things that we go through, not necessarily for us, it's for others. When somebody else comes through those doors and you're like, hey, you know what, man? I went through that too. But thanks be to, I'm a witness of the power of God. I'm the reason why, he's the reason why I'm standing here today was because of him. So don't give up. Don't give up hope. Sometimes those trials, that's what we go through for other people. It doesn't feel good to us, but it's for somebody else. It's so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. And there's other times that we go through things. We're never going to know. I'm not going to know. You're never going to find out. You don't, you're never going to know why this happened. Why did this happen to this person or to that person? Or why are they going through this? Or why are they going through that? A lot of times you, might, you may not know until later on, until you get to heaven. But you know what? As you're going through those trials, as you're going through those things, don't give up. Benjamin could have give the, given up, but there was a greater purpose for him. There's a great purpose for you. You're not here just absorbing oxygen. There is a purpose in your life. And there's going to be times that as you're going through those trials, as you're going through different things in your life, the only thing that's going to sustain you and your cry, the cry that you have before God is that all you're going to say, the only few words that you're going to muster up, sometimes not even being able to pray. You're just going to say, you know what, God, it is well with my soul. Your grace is sufficient for me. That's how it's going to happen sometimes. That's the only, sometimes the only things, the only words that you're going to be able to get out is that, you know what, God, I'm going through this and that and the other. It doesn't feel good, but your grace is sufficient for me. And you know what? It's going to be enough. It is going to be enough.